Hi, I'm Katie Roaring. And I'm Eric Roaring. And we're the founders of Fontana Candle Co. In four years, we took our hobby of making candles in our basement and selling them at craft shows and makers markets, and we turned Fontana into a nationally recognized e-commerce brand. This year, we are doing seven figures of revenue, and we have nine employees. So how did we do it? Welcome to the Candle Couple Podcast, where we will share the nitty gritty of scaling our e-commerce brand quickly. We are spilling the tea, so hopefully we can help you scale your brand quickly, too. This is episode five. That came fast. It did. Today we're talking about realistically how much revenue can you generate operating out of your home. It's a very important topic. We talk about success in e-commerce. We always split e-commerce success into two branches. You have to have product success and you have to have operation success. So this definitely falls into the operation success category. Yeah, very much. Uh, Last episode, we really talked about procurement success and how to scale your procurement when you have to buy all these materials you do need to have a place to put them let's talk about this key to operations is having a place that is set up to help and not hinder you in making your revenue goals so i guess for a little bit of history we of course started in our house and then fairly quickly we moved into a little small warehouse that was very close to our home Uh, we had been in business for I think nine or 10 months before we found a little warehouse that we could rent. Uh, I believe we started paying rent for the new warehouse December 1st, 2018. Right. So we We started, we founded the LLC for Fontana in January of 2018. So this was about a year, about a year, a year into the business that we went into a little warehouse and we weren't really planning on it. No. We just drove down the street and saw the sign, warehouse for rent. Yeah, and and it was very conveniently located. It was literally three minutes from our house. Yes. And so it looking back, that was definitely a premature move because we pulled some numbers and yes, we started paying rent December 1st of 2018. Uh, Sales for 2018 were $23,000. So that was for the, to- the whole year for the whole year. It was $23,000. That's a slow month for us now. Right. Like, that's a bad month. Right. So rent in 2019. So I think we had that lease for one year before they sold it. Uh, rent in 2019 in total was $11,000. Our revenue in 2019 was 41000 so again, we did double our sales by we, moving we into did, the warehouse. We did double sales. But again, looking back, it seemed a little premature for going into the warehouse. Well, OK, Mr. Accountant, what percentage of revenue was rent? So if our revenue was 41,000 and our rent was 11,000, what percentage of our revenue was our rent that year? Our rent cost was about 25% of our revenue, which is huge. Is there a benchmark for that? Is there like a best practices? 
I don't know. It probably there is. There probably is. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. For us personally, that was too high. That, it was way too high. And I think one of the things, so as we moved from our kitchen into our basement, we had to contend with stairs. Our ingredients are heavy. We are dealing with coconut blocks. We're, we're dealing with big boxes of beeswax, 25 pound drums of essential oil. Well, maybe we weren't doing 25 pounds of essential oil, but we're, we're doing a lot of time. No, we were doing a lot of heavy raw materials and I'm pretty much the only one that can move them up and down, moving heavy blocks of coconut oil. And Not beeswax. even that. Finished finish well, goods and, finish and goods orders. Too. Like you have 50 orders in a day. You got to move those babies up the steps. Right. So everything we used was coming up and down the stairs, which just at any kind of volume is not very sustainable. So that was one of the big things that led us into, okay, well, let's look at this warehouse because it was all level. It was all on one floor. Everything you could, could drive be kept. right into it. You could drive it. right in and it made it really simple. So when we were looking at the why of going into this warehouse, it was, okay, there's going to be a lot of efficiencies had in that we aren't bringing every raw material down the stairs and every finished good material up the stairs. And so that was a really big driver for us was that operational efficiency going into this warehouse. I would say personally, I wanted a little separation from the business because at that point, the business took over our whole house. It did take over the like, whole house. Yes. We ran it out of the basement, but our dining room and our entry was always packed. And with the candles. garage. So, like, yes. Everything was full. Like the, I couldn't relax in our home at that no. point just no. because... Our business was everywhere. Yep. Yeah, we definitely wanted that separation. So there was a lot of reasons for us to do it. Financially, looking at the numbers, it really didn't make sense. But we also didn't need to pull any money out. And so we were like, okay, well, let's just invest this money back into the business. It will give us some separation. It will give us some operational efficiencies. It will rely less on us moving product up and down stairs, which will give us more time to make candles and to work on the business and just a little safer. I mean, carrying 50 pound blocks of beeswax up and down mm -hmm. the stairs is, is dangerous and exhausting and tiring. So there was a lot of reasons to move into the warehouse. Well, and I, I think a big consideration is legally, are you allowed to operate a business out of your home. Right. And we're not. We weren't, no, because we're a part of an HOA. And so when we were just a little small maker, it was like, okay, we can get away with this. We're just being a hobby and, and yeah, we're an LLC and everything else. But we probably skirted the rules a little more than we should have. I mean, there were several times we had tractor trailers of ingredients coming down yeah. The street. And it was As like, oh my grew, gosh, I hope the neighbors don't report this. Our first move was really predicated by having some efficiency and creating separation in the house. We moved out of uh, we moved out of the house and we moved into our new warehouse, which was literally three blocks away. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of efficiency. It was great. We didn't have to we didn't have to schlep candles up and down the stairs and raw materials up and down the stairs. But Shortly after we got into that building, the building sold. Our oh, landlord. A year. We were there a year. Yeah, we were yeah, we were there ten months. And the building sold. And the new landlord did not want to renew our lease. And there was nothing else available at the time. There was nothing else available at the time. We knew financially that that wasn't sustainable yet for anything above the thousand dollars we were paying a month. 
Couldn't find anything, so we moved it back into the house reluctantly. We gave up our garage. We gave up our living room again. We gave up our kitchen. We gave up our living room. The house went back to the candles. The house went back to the candles, which was nice in a sense in that we could just work on the business when we wanted to work on the business. We had done that for a year. Well, the, the timeline worked because we moved right back into the house right before the pandemic. Yep. We were we were a couple of months before the pandemic really hit. We moved back into the house. That was nice that everything was here. We didn't have to go anywhere and we could just operate the business from home. But the problem with that was we continued to grow and we were not sustainable anymore. And one of the things that we looked at. We were able to outsource part of our operations at that point because we didn't have enough room to to store all of the raw materials and the finished goods. So at that point, we chose to work with a 3PL. Yeah, we started evaluating our space requirements. And as we grew, order fulfillment required more and more space. We actually got introduced to the owners of a 3PL at one of the makers markets Mm -hmm. we were doing. They introduced themselves and asked about our order fulfillment and how we were doing that. And they really wanted to try to work with smaller businesses at that point. So we were like the perfect company for them. We really were set up for them as a target of a customer. We were like a case study for them. We were. They really wanted to work with smaller smaller makers and smaller businesses. And if you're not familiar with what a 3PL is and how we used it, we brought our finished good inventory to them. They actually tied into our back end of the website through all of their software. Any order that we received on our website was put into their system and they pulled inventory from their shelf that we brought. They picked. They picked and they packed. They picked and they packed. So it was a finished good inventory warehouse and an order fulfillment place. So we freed up a ton of space in our house because we no longer had to store finished goods, nor did we have to worry about inventorying uh, packaging materials, nor did we have to worry about picking and packing orders. So it's... All we did at home was... Making the candles. Yep, all we did was make candles. So that that freed up a ton of space. That's something that you really should look at in your evaluation of space when you go to look into a new warehouse. Before you look at expanding and increasing your fixed expenses with a higher rent, see if there's something like a 3PL that you could outsource some of your manufacturing, something with your... Something that demands a ton of space, if there's a way you can outsource that. We will do an entire episode on choosing either 3PL versus fulfilling yourself. Yes. Because that's a topic that has so much that's very to talk in-depth. about. Yes. yes. So we were back in the house after our first warehouse. And the pandemic was the pandemic hit roaring. hard. And the amazing part was with our 3PL partners, because they shipped so many goods for so many companies, they were deemed essential. So they continued working throughout the pandemic. So our vo- order volume grew exponentially and they had no problem getting it out. Yes. One of the things that you do need to think about for consideration, though, is they aren't free. When you are paying that 3PL, it's you have to do a cost analysis. Our shipping costs increased to about 28% of an order's value versus 15% when we were doing it for ourselves. 
So that 13% delta is extremely expensive. But when you look at we didn't have to spend another $4,000 a month in rent. Or uh, at that point, we would have had to hire employees to fulfill orders. Exactly. So it was a very big cost analysis for us and what we needed to do and how to proceed in the business. Eventually, though, even the manufacturing outpaced our facility in the house and we had to find a new space anyway. So, so before we did move, though, that year we finished out our revenue at home, we were able to make $300,000. Yes. So we did. Right. And that was fully facilitated by that 3PL. There was no way we would have been able to do that by ourselves in the house. What do you think we could have made at home also fulfilling the orders? Like if you had to guess, would it be half of that or maybe? I would say maybe a hundred thousand total. So are you thinking we would max out at making 100000 total out of this house? Yeah, and that would be with a lot of work, a lot of different work. <laughs> Up and down the steps. Yes. And for me, you know, our house isn't huge. We have a 1,900-square-foot home. We can't have employees in here. Like, it, our home stops us from scaling. It was a really big constraint on, on growth. So, I mean, to just summarize what we've been talking about, Eric, thoughts for consideration. One would be, are you legally allowed to operate a business out of your home? Two, financial considerations of a lease. Can you afford the lease? Does it make sense for you? And then insurance considerations. You haven't really touched on that one yet. Do you want to talk a little bit about making sure that if you're out of your home, that you have proper insurance? Well, I think it's one of the, I think this is a broad business thing, but your business is not going to be covered under your homeowner's insurance especially if you are doing any kind of size. So our business insurance cost about five to $600 a year when we first started. That was very expensive for us because it's hard. It was actually really hard to find an insurance company that would insure us with candles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's just misunderstanding in the candle industry or if they're just thinking that this thing's on fire and it's a high risk. When we transitioned to a warehouse, it wasn't very, it wasn't any more expensive because we had the business insurance covering our house as well as our homeowner's insurance. And now we didn't have the house being covered. We had another site being covered. But where you really see the insurance expense increase was when our volumes went up, we saw increased And then also when we added skin contact items, so like our bath salts, we saw a tripling of our insurance. Did we really? Yes. It was $600 and this year we're close to $1,800. There's a big expense with that insurance piece. And so one of the things when you move warehouses, make sure on your insurance, you update the billing address and the coverage area or the coverage address. Because one of the things that we're looking at now as we've almost expanded out of the warehouse we're in do we get a third site to store goods in? And we need to name that on the insurance in case something happens to that third site. Make sure anytime you move or have insur- uh, you have product outside of your main warehouse that it's listed on your insurance. Well, we also had the 3PL listed. Yes, we when did. When we had the inventory there as well. Yes, we did. So to give you a little bit more idea of uh, financial considerations, um, our lease this year uh, was $3,200 a month. When you look at that in an aggregate for a year compared to our revenue, 
um, in 2021, it was 6.1%. If you can use that as a gauge, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know if that's good or bad. If that was what it was in 21, then it was probably about 3%. In That's exactly right. 2022. That's exactly right. So the more you scale, if you stay in your space, that percentage is just going to get better and better. Well, and I used 2021 at a 6% of revenue because 2021 was very feasible in our location. This year, when we did um, 1.5, 1.05 million in sales, yes, the rent stayed the same, but I would say that that is not sufficient space to operate in. I would say we've outgrown it. We have outgrown it, yes. And so, yeah, it's 3% this year, but it was crammed. And two, knowing that we are looking for a new space as we speak because we forecast doubling again and doing 2 million for 2023. Yes. So that 6%, does that make sense at a million dollars? Does it make sense at $2 million, $10 million? I don't know. So looking for a new space, would we try to use 6% as a benchmark to figure out what we need? Or are we going to go with what size building we need? That's a That's consideration, we, consideration need to take we need as... to do. Yeah, because we are looking, we have a commercial realtor looking for our new space, but we haven't found anything yet. Fortunately, no, it, we have a year left on our lease. I'll say commercial spaces, depending on where you are in the United States, can be really hard to find. It's really hard to find. And especially for us, we need warehouse space that's climate controlled and has offices. So And a proper dock. And a, and a loading dock that's at dock height. And has a full apron that can accept a full-size truck. Like so today, our requirements of the perfect space keeps becoming more and more as we yeah. keep growing. Yeah. So if you're looking for a space, start with your budget. Start with, okay, what is my revenue? What can I afford? If 6% makes sense for you, then awesome. If it's 25%, uh, I would say that was really tight for us when we were at our first start. We didn't make money and we didn't pull money out for our paychecks. 25% is way too much. Well, I think what we did was my mom paid the rent and then we paid her back then. We did like a yeah, loan a to loan. my mom. Yeah, we took a loan, but we also had investment from your mom. I mm-hmm. think we took $12,000 investment from her for a piece of the company. And so we did have some investment from that standpoint. But it all went back into the business. And so when you look at your percentages, if if that double digit is too much, which it certainly could be for a maker, if you're not having any huge volume or huge size, really start with your list of your, of your requirements. What do you need in a space? How much space do you need to do your job, to do run your business, to grow your business? Do you plan to have employees? Do you plan to have employees? Because having an employee in your house isn't a good Well, even thing. in the space we have now, once we added employees, we needed to add spaces for them to store their belongings. We needed to add a room, you know, space for them to take a break and a lunch space and a refrigerator and a, ma- a microwave. Like our space requirements just keep changing as we add more and more employees. They do. And I would say we need more bathrooms now. Can we talk about too, when you are looking for a space, I would say having a commercial realtor help you is also a non-negotiable for success. Yeah. I would say that's a big, we had a very good commercial realtor. Oh, John's amazing. Yeah. And he, he found us a space. He negotiated it for us. He knew what kind of rents it should be for the type of spaces we were looking at, get yourself a commercial realtor. If you have a friend that sells homes, no. ask them for a reference to a commercial realtor that 
market is just so different. The terms are so different. And you really want to get a commercial realtor that acts in your company's best interest. Yes. Yes. Don't have someone not represent you. It's very much like buying a house. You don't want to use the realtor that the seller is using as well. If you're buying, have your own representation. Yes. So when you're looking at a space and moving out of your, of your home, if that's where you are, eek as much time out of your current space as possible. It's expensive and it's time consuming to move. If you have any opportunity to outsource a function of your business that allows you to grow or stay in your space and grow at the same time, like a 3PL, do it because it's easier to ebb and flow with slow season or slow periods. Rather than committing yourself to a fixed cost of rent and having something that can be outsourced and allowing you to stay in your current space is a better utilization of your capital. Wait until you can't take any more growth and then start moving. Then look for a then look for a new space to work out of. Evaluate what you need. Do you need employees? Do you need a dock? Do you need climate control? Do you need office spaces? Do you need ventilation? Do you have zoning in the proper place? That's a really big deal and something a commercial realtor can help you with. So you really want to make sure that all of those things are laid out and then you can find your space. Sorry, as much as I really do not look forward to it moving, I look forward to us getting a new space. Yes, we'd need a new space. It'll we help have, our efficiencies tremendously. Yes. So we have exploded out of our current space and we need another space. But we are going to be there for one more year. We are going to eke every opportunity we can out of our current space. Well, to help them benchmark this, I mean, we have 10 employees. We do production and fulfillment out of our space. And what is the square footage? 3,000. 3,000. So we were able to do a little over a million in 3,000 square feet. Yes. And we're going to see if we can get 2 million out of this space. Which is going to be really hard. Everyone works on top of each other. Mm -hmm. There is no private conversation. Our team is very close. We are very close, which has worked because that has allowed us to invest in the business in other ways and allow us to continue to grow. We aren't house rich and cash poor, which has really helped us in our growth. That's something that you really want to utilize your space as much as you can before you grow. So if you like what you've heard today, subscribe and follow along for more e-commerce success tips so you can build a seven-figure e-commerce brand too.